Chapter five of By Pike and Dyke A Tale of the Rise of the Dutch Republic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. By Pike and Dyke by G. A. Henty. Chapter five Ned's Resolve. On the ninth morning after the departure of the brig, Ned was up as soon as daylight appeared, and made his way to the walls. The watchman there, with whom he had had several talks during the last two days, said, "'There is a brig hull down seaward, and I should say that she is about the size of the one you are looking for. She looks, too, as if she were heading for this port.' "'I think that it is she,' Ned said, gazing intently at the distant vessel. "'It seems to me that I can make out that her jib is lighter in color than the rest of her canvas. If that is so, I have no doubt about its being the good venture, for we blew our jib away in a storm off Ostend, and had a new one about four months ago.' "'That is her, then, young master,' the watchman said, shading his eyes and looking intently at the brig. "'Her jib is surely of lighter color than the rest of her canvas.' With this confirmation Ned at once ran round to the house he had taken, and told the servants to have fires lighted, and everything in readiness for the reception of the party. "'My father,' he said, "'will be brought here in the course of an hour or so. My mother will arrive a little later.' Ned then went round to the doctor, who had promised that he would personally superintend the removing of his patient, and would bring four careful men and a litter for his conveyance. He said that he would be round at the burgomaster's in half an hour." Ned then went back to his father. Captain Martin looked round eagerly as he entered. "'Yes, father,' Ned said, answering the look. "'There is a brig in sight, which is, I am pretty sure, the good venture. She will be in port in the course of a couple of hours. I have just been round to Dr. Harang, and he will be here in half an hour with the litter to take you over to the new house.' Captain Martin gave an exclamation of deep thankfulness, and then lay for some time with his eyes closed, and spoke but little until the arrival of the doctor and the men with the litter. "'You must first of all drink this broth that has just been sent up for you,' the surgeon said, "'and then take a spoonful of cordial. It will be a fatigue, you know, however well we manage it, and you must be looking as bright and well as you can by the time your good wife arrives, else she will have a very bad opinion of the doctors of Ankhausen.' Captain Martin did as he was ordered. The men then carefully raised the mattress with him upon it, and placed it upon the litter. "'I think we will cover you up altogether,' the doctor said, as we go along through the streets. The morning air is a good deal keener than the atmosphere of this room, and you won't want to look about.' The litter was therefore completely covered with a blanket, and was then lifted and taken carefully down the broad staircase and through the streets. The burgomaster's wife had herself gone on before to see that everything was comfortably prepared, and when the bed was laid down on the bedstead, and the blanket turned back, Captain Martin saw a bright room with a fire burning on the hearth, and the burgomaster's wife and nurse beside him, while Ned and the doctor were at the foot of the bed. "'You have not suffered, I hope, in the moving, Captain Martin?' the burgomaster's wife asked. "'Not at all,' he said. "'I felt somewhat faint at first, but the movement has been so easy that it soon passed off. I was glad my head was covered, for I do not think that I could have stood the sight of the passing objects.' "'Now you must drink another spoonful of cordial,' the doctor said, "'and then lie quiet. I shall not let you see your wife when she arrives if your pulse is beating too rapidly. So far you have been going on fairly, and we must not have you thrown back.' i shall not be excited captain martin replied now that i know the vessel is in sight i am contented enough but i have been fearing lest the brig might fall in with a spaniard as she came through the islands and there would be small mercy for any on board had she been detected and captured 
now that i know she is coming to port safely i can wait quietly enough now ned you can be off down to the port the doctor went out with ned and charged him strictly to impress upon his mother the necessity for self-restraint and quiet when she saw her husband i am not over-satisfied with his state he said and much will depend on this meeting if it passes off well and he is none the worse for it to-morrow i shall look to see him mend rapidly but if on the other hand he is agitated and excited fever may set in at once and in that case weak as he is his state will be very serious i understand sir and will impress it upon my mother but i do not think you need fear for her whatever she feels she will i am sure carry out your instructions ned went down to the port he found that the brig was but a quarter of a mile away he could make out female figures on board and knew that as he had rather expected would be the case his mother had brought his sisters with her jumping into a boat he was rowed off to the vessel and climbing the side was at once in his mother's arms already he had answered the question that peters had shouted before he was halfway from the shore and had replied that his father was going on as well as could be expected thus when ned leapt on board his mother and the girls were in tears at the relief to the anxiety that had oppressed them during the voyage lest they should at its end find they had arrived too late and is he really better were mrs martin's first words as she released ned from her embrace i don't know that he is better mother but he is no worse he is terribly weak but the doctor tells me that if no harm comes to him from his agitation in meeting you he expects to see him mend rapidly he has been rather fretting about your safety and i think that the knowledge that you are at hand has already done him good his voice was stronger when he spoke just before i started than it has been for some days only above all things the doctor says you must restrain your feelings and be calm and quiet when you first meet him and now girls how are you both he asked turning to them not very well i suppose for i know you have always shown yourselves bad sailors when you have come over with mother the sea has not been very rough janet said and except when we first got out to sea we have not been ill what are you going to do about the girls mrs martin asked of course i must go where your father is but i cannot presume upon the kindness of strangers so far as to quarter the girls upon them that is all arranged mother father agreed with me that it would not be pleasant for any of you being with strangers and i have therefore taken a house and he has just been moved there so you will have him all to yourself that is indeed good news mrs martin said however kind people are one is never so comfortable as at home one is afraid of giving trouble and altogether it is different i have heard all the news my boy master peters tried his best to conceal it from me but i was sure by his manner that there was something wrong it was better that i should know at once she went on wiping her eyes terrible as it all is i have scarce time to think about it now when my mind is taken up with your father's danger and it hardly came upon me even as a surprise for i have long felt that some evil must have befallen them or they would have assuredly managed to send me word of themselves before now by this time the good venture had entered the port and had drawn up close beside one of the wharves as soon as the sails were lowered and the warps made fast peters directed three of the seamen to bring up the boxes from the cabin and to follow him ned then led the way to the new house i will go up first mother and tell them that you have come mrs martin quietly removed her hat and cloak followed ned upstairs and entered her husband's room with a calm and composed face well my dear husband she said almost cheerfully i have come to nurse you you see when you get into trouble it is us women that you men fall back upon after all 
the doctor who had retired into the next room when he heard that mrs martin had arrived nodded his head with a satisfied air she will do he said i have not much fear for my patient now ned knowing that he would not be wanted upstairs for some time went out with peters after the baggage had been set down in the lower room so you had a fine voyage of it peters we should have been better for a little more wind both coming and going the mate said but there was nothing much to complain of you could not have been long in the river then peters we were six-and-thirty hours in port we got in at the top of tide on monday morning and went down with the ebb on tuesday evening first as in duty bound i went to see our good dame and give her your letter and answer her questions it was a hard business that and i would as lief have gone before the queen herself to give her an account of things as to have gone to your mother of course i hoisted the flag as we passed up the river i knew that some of them were sure to be on watch at rotherhithe and that they would run in and tell her that the good venture was in port again i had rather hoped that our coming back so soon might lead her to think that something was wrong for she would have known that we could scarce have gone to amsterdam and discharged loaded up again and then back here especially as the wind had been light ever since she sailed and sure enough the thought had struck her for when i caught sight of the garden gate one of your sisters was there on the lookout and directly she saw me she ran away in i hurried on as fast as i could go then for i knew that mistress martin would be sorely frightened when she heard that it was neither your father nor you as i got there your mother was standing at the door she was just as white as death cheer up mistress i said as cheery as i could speak i have bad news for you but it might have been a deal worse the captain's got a hurt and master ned is stopping to nurse him she looked at me as if she would read me through that's the truth as i am a christian man mistress i said it has been a bad business but it might have been a deal worse the doctor said that he was doing well then your mother gave a deep sigh and i thought for a moment she was going to faint and ran forward to catch her but she seemed to make an effort and straighten herself up just as i have seen the brig do when a heavy sea has flooded her decks and swept all before it thanks be to the good god that he is not taken from me she said now i can bear anything now peters tell me all about it i ain't good at telling a story mistress martin i said but here is master ned's letter when you have read that maybe i can answer questions as to matters of which he may not have written i will stand off and on in the garden ma'am and then you can read it comfortable like indoors and hail me when you have got to the bottom of it it was not many minutes before one of your sisters called me in they had all been crying and i felt more uncomfortable than i did when those spanish rascals gave us a broadside as i went in for i was afraid she would so rake me with questions that she would get out of me that other sad business and it could hardly be expected that even the stoutest ship should weather two such storms one after the other i don't understand it all master peters she said for my son gives no good reason why the spaniards should thus have attacked an english ship but we can talk of that afterwards all that matters at present is that my husband has been wounded and has lost his leg and lies in some danger for although ned clearly makes the best of it no man can suffer a hurt like that without great risk of life he wishes me to go over at once as to the girls he says i can take them with me or leave them with a friend here but they wish as is natural greatly to go and it were better for all reasons that they did so were they left here they would be in anxiety about their father's state and as it may be long before he can be moved i should not like to leave them in other charge than my own when will you be ready to sail again 
i shall be ready by to-morrow evening's tide mistress martin i said i have cargo on board that i must discharge and must have carpenters and sailmakers on board to repair some of the damages we suffered in this action i do not think i can possibly be ready to drop down the river before high water to-morrow which will be about six o'clock i will send a boat to the stairs here at half-past five to take you and your trunks on board we shall be ready she said as ned says that my husband is well cared for in the house of the burgomaster and has every comfort and attention there is nothing i need take over for him i said that i was sure that he had all he could require and that she need take no trouble on that score and then said that with her permission i would go straight back on board again seeing there was much to do and that it all came on my shoulders just at present i had left the boatswain in charge and told him to get the hatches off and begin to get up the cargo as soon as he had stowed the sails and made all tidy for i had not waited for that but had rowed ashore as soon as the anchor was dropped so without going back to the brig i crossed the river and landed by the steps at the bridge and took the letters to the merchants for whom i had goods and prayed them to send off boats immediately as it was urgent for me to discharge as soon as possible then i went to the merchants whose names you had given me and who ship goods with us regularly to tell them that the venture was in port but would sail again to-morrow evening and would take what cargo they could get on board for ankhausen or any of the seaward ports but not for amsterdam or other places still in the hands of the spaniards then i went to the lord mayor and swore an information before him to lay before the queen and the council that the spaniards had wantonly and without offence given attacked the good venture and inflicted much damage upon her and badly wounded her captain and would have sunk her had we not stoutly defended ourselves and beat them off i was glad when all that was over master ned for as you know i know naught about writing my business is to sail the ship under your father's orders but as to talking with the merchants who press you with questions and seem to think that you have naught to do but to stand and gossip that is not in my way and i wished sorely that you had been with me and could have taken all this business into your hands then i went down to the wharves and soon got some carpenters at work to mend the bulwarks and put some fresh planks on the deck where the shot had ploughed it up luckily enough i heard of a man who had some sails that he had bought from the owners of a ship which was cast away down near the mouth of the river they were a little large for the venture but i made a bargain with him in your father's name and got them on board and set half a dozen sailmakers to work upon them and they were ready by the next afternoon the others will do again when they have got some new cloths in and a few patches but if we had gone out with a dozen holes in them the first spaniard who saw us and who had heard of our fight with the don pedro would have known us at once i was thankful i can tell you when i got on board again just as i did so some lighters came out and we were hard at work till dusk getting out the cargo the next morning at daylight fresh cargo began to come out to us and things went on well and would have gone better had not people come on board pestering me with questions about our fight with the spaniards and just at noon two of the queen's officers came down and must needs have the whole story from beginning to end and they had brought a clerk with them to write it down from my lips they said we had done right gallantly and that no doubt i should be wanted the next day at the royal council to answer other questions touching the affair you may be sure i said no word about the fact that in six hours we should be dropping down the river for like enough if i had they would have ordered me not to go and as i should have gone whether they had or not seeing that captain martin was looking for his wife and that the mistress was anxious to be off it might have led to trouble when i got back again 
by the afternoon we had got some thirty tons of goods on board and although that is but a third of what she would carry i was well content that we had done so much after the new sails had come on board i had put a gang to work to bend them and had already and the anchor up just as the tide turned we had not dropped down many hundred yards when the boat with mistress martin and your sisters came alongside and thankful i was when it came on dark and we were slipping down the river with a light southwesterly wind for i had been on thorns all the afternoon lest some messenger might arrive from the council with orders for me to attend there i did not speak much to your mother that evening for it needs all a man's attention to work down the river at night the next morning i had my breakfast brought up on deck instead of going down for as you may guess i did not want to have your mother questioning me but presently your sister came up with a message to me that mistress martin would be glad to have a quarter of an hour's conversation with me as soon as duty would permit me to leave deck so after a while i braced myself up and went below but i tell you that i would rather have gone into action again with the don pedro she began at once without parley or courtesies by firing a broadside right into me i don't think master peters that you have told me yet all there is to be told that took me between wind and water you see however i made a shift to bear up well mistress martin says i i don't say as i have given you all particulars i don't know as i mentioned to you as joe wiggins was struck down by a splinter from the longboat and was dazed for full two hours but he came round again all right and was fit for duty next day mrs martin heard me quietly and then she said that will not do john peters you know well what i mean you need not fear to tell me the news i have long been fearing it my husband is not one to talk loosely in the streets and to bring upon himself the anger of the spaniards he must have had good cause before he said words that spoken there would place his life in peril what has happened at vordwick well master ned i stood there as one struck stupid what was there to say i am a truthful man but i would have told a lie if i thought it would have been any good but there she was looking quietly at me and i knew as she would see in a moment whether i was speaking truth or not she waited quiet ever so long and at last i said the matter is in this wise mistress martin my orders was i was to hold my tongue about all business not touching the captain or the affairs of this ship when you seize the captain it's for you to ask him questions and for him to answer if he sees right and good to do so she put her hand over her face and sat quiet for some time and when she looked up again her eyes were full of tears and her cheeks wet then she said in a low tone all peters are they all gone well master ned i was swabbing my own eyes for it ain't in a man's nature to see a woman suffering like that and so quiet and brave without feeling somehow as if all the manliness had gone out of him i could not say nothing what could i say knowing what the truth was then she burst out a-crying and a-sobbing and i steals off without a word and goes on deck and sets them in a-hauling at the sheets and trimming the sails till i know there was not one of them but cussed me in his heart and wished that the captain was back again mistress martin did not say no word about it afterwards she came up on deck a few times and asked me more about the captain and how he looked and what he was doing when he got his wound and of course i told her all about it full and particular and how he had made every one else lie down and stood there at the tiller as we went under the stern of the spaniard and that none of us knew he was hit till it was all over and how he had peppered them with our four carronades and all about it but mostly she stopped down below till we hauled our wind and headed up the zyder zee towards ankhausen well now it is all over peters ned said there is no doubt that it is better she should have heard the news from you instead of my father having to tell her i don't deny that it may be so master ned now that it is all over and done but never again will john peters undertake a job where he has got to keep his mouth shut when a woman wants to get something out of him 
Lord bless you, lad, they just see right through you, and you feel that twist and turn as you will, they will get it out of you sooner or later. There, I started with my mind quite made up that orders was to be obeyed, and that your mother was to be kept in the dark about it till she got here, and I had considered with myself that in such a case as this it would be no great weight upon my conscience if I had to make up some kind of yarn that would satisfy her, and yet in three minutes after she got me into that cabin she was at the bottom of it all. You see, she has been already very uneasy at not hearing for so long from her father and brothers, Peters, and that and the fact that my father had spoken openly against the Spanish authorities set her upon the track, and enabled her to put the questions straightforwardly to you. I suppose that was it, sir. And now has the captain said anything about what is going to be done with the ship till he gets well? Nothing whatever, Peters. He has spoken very little upon any subject. I know he has been extremely anxious for my mother to arrive, though he has said but little about it. I fancy that for the last few days he has not thought that he should recover. But the doctor told me I must not be uneasy upon that ground, for that he was now extremely weak, and men, even the bravest and most resolute when in health, are apt to take a gloomy view when utterly weak and prostrate. His opinion was that my mother's coming would probably cheer him up and enable him to rally. I think, too, that he has been dreading having to tell her the terrible news about her father and brothers, and now he knows that she is aware of that it will be a load off his mind. Besides, I know that for his sake she will be cheerful and bright, and with her and the girls with him he will feel as if at home. The doctor told me that the mind has a great influence over the body, and that a man with cheerful surroundings had five chances to one as against one amongst strangers, and with no one to brighten him up. I have no doubt that as soon as he gets a little stronger he will arrange what is to be done with the brig, but I am sure it will be a long time before he can take the command again himself. Aye, I fear it will be. Peters agreed. It is a pity you are not four or five years older, Master Ned. I do not say that I couldn't bring the ship into any port in Holland, for having been sailing backwards and forwards here, man and boy, for over thirty years, I could do so pretty nigh blindfold. But what is the good of bringing a ship to a port if you have not got the head to see about getting a cargo for her, and cannot read the bills of lading, or as much as sign your name to a customs list? No, Master Ned, I am not fit for a captain, that is quite certain. But though I would not mind serving under another till your father is fit to take charge again, I could not work on board the venture under another for good. I have got a little money saved up, and would rather buy a share in a small coaster and be my own master there. After serving under your father for nigh twenty years, I know I should not get on with another skipper, nohow. Well, Peters, it is no use talking it over now, because I have no idea what my father's decision will be. I hope above all things that he will be able to take command again, but I have great doubts in my own mind whether he will ever do so. If he had lost the leg below the knee it would not so much have mattered, but as it is with the whole leg stiff he would have great difficulty in getting about, especially if the ship was rolling in a heavy sea. John Peters shook his head gravely, for this was the very thing he had turned in his mind over and over again during the voyage to and from England. Your cargo is not all for this place, I suppose, Peters? No, sir. Only two or three tons which are down in the forehold together are for Ankhausen. The rest are for Leiden and the Hague. I told the merchants that if they put their goods on board I must sail past the ports and make straight on to Ankhausen, for that first of all I must bring Mistress Martin to the captain, but that I would go round and discharge their goods as soon as I had brought her here. It was only on these terms that I agreed to take the cargo. That will do very well, Peters. I will go on board with you at once, and see to whom your goods are consigned here, and warn them to receive them at once. 
you will get them on shore by tonight and then tomorrow i will sail with you to leiden and the hague and aid you in getting your cargo into the right hands there now that my mother and the girls are here my father will be able to spare me we can be back here again in four or five days and by that time i hope he will be so far recovered as to be able to think matters over and come to some decision as to the future management of the brig of course if he wishes me to stay on board her i shall obey his orders whether you or another are the captain why of course you will remain on board master ned what else should you do well peters my own mind is set upon joining the prince of orange and fighting against the spaniards before i sailed from home i told my sisters that was what i was longing to do for i could scarce sleep for thinking of all the cruelties and massacres that they carried out upon the people of the netherlands who are by my mother's side my kinsfolk since then i have scarce thought of aught else they have murdered my grandfather and uncles and one of my aunts they have shot away my father's leg and would have taken his life had he not escaped out of their hands so that what was before a longing is now a fixed idea and if my father will but give me permission assuredly i will carry it out there are many english volunteers who have already crossed the sea to fight against these murderers although unconnected by ties of blood as i am and who have been brought here to fight solely from pity and horror and because as all know spain is the enemy of england as well as of the netherlands and would put down our freedom and abolish our religion as she has done here i know that my wishes in this as in all other matters must give way to those of my father still i hope he may be moved to consent to them ned thought it better to allow his father and mother to remain quietly together for some time and did not therefore return to the house until twelve o'clock when he knew that dinner would be prepared for his mother was so methodical in her ways that everything would go on just as at home directly she took charge of the affairs of the house he went up for a few minutes before dinner and was struck with the change in the expression of his father's face there was a peaceful and contented look in his eyes and it almost seemed to ned that his face was less hollow and drawn than before ned told him that it would be necessary for the brig to go round to leyden and the hague and that peters had proposed that he should go with him to see the merchants and arrange the business parts of the affair that will do very well captain martin said you are young ned to begin having dealings with the dutch merchants but when you tell them how it comes that i am not able to call upon them myself they will doubtless excuse your youth do you wish us to take any cargo there father if we can get any captain martin did not answer for some little time then he said no ned i think you had best return here in the ship by that time i shall i hope be capable of thinking matters over and deciding upon my arrangements for the future when is peters thinking of sailing by to-morrow morning's tide sir he said that he could be ready perhaps by this evening but that unless you wished it otherwise he would not start till to-morrow's tide as he will thereby avoid going out between the islands at night that will be the best way ned if the winds are fair he will be at the hague before nightfall the day after his return ned took an opportunity of speaking to his mother as to his wish to take service with the prince of orange and to aid in the efforts that the people of the netherlands were making to free themselves from their persecutors his mother as he feared would be the case expressed a strong opposition to his plan you are altogether too young ned even if it were a matter that concerned you it does concern me mother are you not dutch and though i was born in england and a subject of the queen it is natural i should feel warmly in the matter besides we know that many english are already coming over here to help have not the spanish killed my relations and unless they are driven back they will altogether exterminate the protestants of the netherlands have they not already been doomed to death regardless of age and sex by philip's proclamation and do not the spaniards whenever they capture a town slay well-nigh all within it 
that is all true enough his mother agreed but proves in no way that you are a fit age to meddle in the affair i am sixteen mother and a boy of sixteen who has been years at sea is as strong as one of eighteen brought up on land you have told me yourself that i look two or three years older than i am and methinks i have strength to handle pike and axe that may be perfectly true said mrs martin but even supposing all other things were fitting how could we spare you now when your father will be months before he can follow his trade on the sea again even if he is ever able to do so that is the thing mother that weighs with me i know not what my father's wishes may be in that respect and of course if he holds that i can be of use to him i must give up my plan but i want you at any rate to mention it to him and i pray you not to add your objections but to let him decide on the matter according to his will there will be no occasion for me to add objections ned i do not think your father will listen to such a mad scheme for a moment it was not until three or four days later that mrs martin seeing that her husband was stronger and better and was taking an interest in what passed in the house fulfilled her promise to ned by telling his father of his wishes you must not be angry with him she said when she had finished for he spoke beautifully and expressed himself as perfectly willing to yield his wishes to yours in the matter i told him of course that it was a mad-brained scheme and not to be thought of still as he was urgent i should lay it before you i promised to do so captain martin did not as his wife expected instantly declare that such a plan was not to be thought of even for a moment but lay for some time apparently turning it over in his mind i know not quite what to say he said at length not know what to say his wife repeated in surprise why husband you surely cannot for a moment think of allowing ned to embark in so wild a business there are many english volunteers coming over some of them not much older and not so fit in bodily strength for the work as ned he has too the advantage of speaking the language and can pass anywhere as a native you are surprised sophie at my thinking of this for a moment but what would you do without him she exclaimed in astonishment that is what i have been thinking as i lay here i have been troubled what to do with ned he is too young yet to entrust with all the business of the ship and the merchants here and at home would hesitate in doing business with a lad moreover he is too young to be first mate on board the brig peters is a worthy man and a good sailor but he can neither read nor write and knows naught of business and therefore until i am able if i ever shall be to return to the good venture i must have a good seaman as first mate and a supercargo to manage the business affairs of the ship were ned four years older he could be at once first mate and supercargo there you see your objection that i need him falls to the ground as to other reasons i will think them over and speak to you another time End of chapter 5